Stampede. Garner is at number 74. Recorded 11-29-2020. I don't think it's a secret that in this world there exists an order of importance. It's commonly called a pecking order. And I'm not going to talk about the etymology of that phrase because I once owned free-range chickens on my farm. And anecdotally, I can say I observed that my chickens had a pecking order. But The truth is, pecking orders can be seen in lots of places. Take, for example, the way politicians make decisions amongst themselves. Usually there are people at the top that decide how an issue is to be handled. And people with seniority get the word first. Then it's passed down through the chain of command till someone at the bottom is told what to do. Yeah, there is a definite pecking order in the halls of the U.S. federal government. I don't like choosing sides, but it's clear there are people who lead the Democratic and Republican parties, and it's not just the financial donors that back them, and who may tell them what to do. No, Within each party in the U.S. Congress, there are people who are at the top. But let me make something clear. The politicians who run the U.S. Congress 
aren't like most people in this country. They're often very wealthy, often coming from privileged families, families who have served at all levels of government. If you're the son or daughter of a mayor of a major city in this country, you probably could be assured of some place in government. And it could result through that birthright, ending up with you becoming a U.S. congressman or woman or even a senator. It's often the mechanism for receiving votes. That's the inside power of a politician's life. Of course, the other is money and where to find it. Some politicians get money by being part of a wealthy family. I can think of a few off the top of my head, but I don't like naming names. The will of the people, it's what we like to call democracy, and it has little to do with the individuals who gain power. It's the tradition of who you know and how you're connected that has shaped our political system. It's more like who you were born to. Money and birthright can have a lot to say about who runs this country. It's called a plutocracy, 
and has little to do with democracy. As it stands today, people who have power passing it on to their offspring and friends are dependent upon law enforcement to protect their privileged positions. Recently, the resulting conduct of police toward people of color has called for the defunding of their departments. Now this cry comes from a grievance related to inequities. The mantra has always been everyone is treated equally under the law. Or on the other side, no one is above the law. But in a plutocracy, politicians and their children often escape the indignity of being apprehended for violations. I'm reminded of a famous senator involved with his secretary's death by drowning when it resulted from his car ending in a body of water. No, the privileged get to skate, and that's particularly true when it comes to people in power. You never see a politician in a courtroom waiting with fellow citizens for a judge to impose punishment for a driving infraction. But that really isn't my point. For politicians, defunding the police, or more importantly, the reduction of police activity, isn't about equal justice under the law. No, defunding and reduction of police for politicians has to do with assuring they maintain power. And they sure as hell don't like police departments defunded. Let's try to get a grasp on reality here. Riots, looting, and shootings in the street aren't the issues. For politicians, it's Can I be protected if it no longer is in the streets, but comes to my home or my office?
Let's make sure we know which side the bread is buttered on. Politicians know when it comes to self-preservation, they need law enforcement on their side. But that wasn't always the case, because in the past, this country believed in the prosperity that existed. Sure, there were groups that weren't doing as well as the majority of the people. However, the policy that progress by getting more made people accepting of what our politicians were doing. But any good politician worth his salt knows power always needs protection. And protection can have lots of faces. Sure, you always get police escorts wherever you go, but that's only a part of the security of a politician's life. Money is another. And today, the leaders of this country have plenty of it. There's nothing more troubling for a U.S. congressperson knowing a colleague isn't a multimillionaire or even a billionaire. How can politicians trust one another if they aren't all flush with money? I mean, all those men in the U.S. Senate wearing $3,000 suits can't rely on a fellow senator if he's wearing a $100 suit off the rack from a Target department store. And that's also true for many women who find it necessary to wear beautifully designed outfits with designer labels. What could be more embarrassing than to have a female senator or congresswoman showing up for a vote wearing a homemade dress? Besides, it's nearly disgraceful to think that a congresswoman actually knows how to use a sewing machine. It would be worse than being politically incorrect. Now, a congresswoman who knows how to make money, well, that's more like it. I vaguely recall a congresswoman with a financial statement worth over $100 million saying when she was getting $1,000, it was crumbs. And yet in her district, homelessness for lots of people is no strange experience. Living out on the street gives new meaning for police protection. I mean, homeless people don't live behind gated communities protected by the police.
And you thought you had a democracy being led by your peers. Well, that isn't what you've got. And you thought our Congress was making decisions for Americans, when in fact it's working for the interests of large corporations guided by lobbyists who could care less about the well-being of this country and more about the bottom line of the corporations they work for. Oh, let's not make any snap decisions about COVID-19 when it started back in February of this year and panic struck the stock market when our leaders attempted to stimulate the economy by sending money to everyone to go out and spend. And even with over 30 million people losing their employment, businesses shuttered, the airline industry literally stopped flying, travel by and large halted, people dying at an alarming rate, sporting events played without fans in attendance, schools closed, and people quarantined in their homes, with suicide rates going off the charts. The stock market, a financial measure of the health of our economy, began a recovery. In fact, an amazing recovery. Till nine months later, it was breaking new historic record highs. On one hand, you had the reality of unprecedented suffering caused by a pandemic. And on the other, you had a fairy tale of success for the buying of equities on the stock market. But the need to continue with throwing a lifeline to the people and small businesses who were suffering from the pandemic continued. So much so, over a quarter of a million people died from it by December of 2020. But instead, for over eight months, the U.S. Congress couldn't agree to help with a second injection of money sent to the people. While millions struggled with many committing suicide, our government sat by unwilling to reach an agreement to help. Well, I have a word for those politicians. Shame. Shame on you and the privileged lives you have. Shame on your families that live so well because of the power you hold. Shame to you self-serving pompous leaders.
Propagandists are people who want to make you believe in a certain point of view. They stand next to people who try to convince you what is politically correct. I don't mind journalists who ethically or morally report what the facts are. Of course, nowadays, what the facts are can easily be distorted by attempting to influence a particular point of view. As it stands, the severity of COVID-19 will linger on, even if it's defeated. But one thing is certain. During a sorrowful time in this country, our politicians failed the people. They've tried spinning the truth for a long time, even before COVID-19. And it was about a lot of different things saying that everything was going to be all right. And I'm not talking about the plague of COVID-19. No, the politicians in this country have helped to produce a system of greed, corruption, and manipulation that will probably linger on. This country is bankrupt in lots of ways. Its values have been rearranged by living for today, never living for a future. That all you needed to do was consume, and the future would be bright. That we could overcome any problem. Well, it was the job for our politicians to help the American people during the pandemic. And with the second stimulus package, the politicians could understand it wasn't about stimulating the economy. It was about helping people who couldn't pay their rent, the mortgage, to put food on the table. No, it was never really about the stock market recovering. It wasn't about getting tax revenue so the government could continue functioning. No, the politicians couldn't agree upon helping the people in this country while they were suffering. And the people were suffering because the system the politicians put in place was failing and they couldn't bring themselves to admitting that.
This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard the music from Massive Attack, Dissolved Girl, from their 1998 album, Mezzanine. Then theme arrangement for the TV series, House MD, another Massive Attack composition. Followed by a cut of Giorgi Leggetti's Requiem for a Soprano, tonal music. Then a cut from Igor Stravinsky's composition, The Rite of Spring, composed in 1913. And finally, a cut of Escape by Johan Johansson, composed in 2013. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner, in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.